Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Welcome to those who came a little bit after we did the welcoming earlier. It's fantastic having us here. And specifically, if you're here for the very, very first, well, we're, most of us are here for the very first time. But if you are sort of with us as Shofar for the first time, welcome. It is really great. I'm, my neck is going to get a good workout if we do stay here for long. Um, but it really is amazing having you with us. Thank you for joining us, for taking the time to come and be here. Um, as you can see, we're in a space which is a great space, which needs a lot of work but we're excited about the opportunities. And sort of as we were preparing and praying and thinking about coming to this space, just a verse that's been in my heart this whole week, Psalm 122, many of us know it. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house. I was glad. And I wonder how we felt in this week when we were prepared to come here, getting ready to come to church. By coming to church, and I'll expand a little bit about on that in a moment, we don't mean coming to a building, coming to a space, as much as we mean coming to coming together. But we see King David here writing, and he says, I was glad. It's actually, actually interesting. One of the themes that we see throughout the book of Psalms, keep staying stuck on my ethos today, but keep, one of the themes that runs through the book of Psalms is the theme of gladness. I think about 43 times, if I remember correctly, we have the idea of gladness in the Psalms. And the Psalm is talking about, you have made me glad. You have made me exceedingly glad with your presence. You're right. And gladness that God wants to instill and part into our hearts and into our lives. And one of the ways that he wants to bring gladness into our lives through the house of I wonder what are the things that make you glad in this past week, this past month. Sure, there are a whole bunch. If we had to take a moment, we had to take a moment to share with one another, there'd be a stack of things that have made us glad. Some of them very godly, some of them seemingly very unspiritual, but very much something that God has placed. God would have us live lives that are marked with gladness. And so as we come to church, we come to the gathering this morning, part of what God wants to still in our hearts is a place of glad. A place where we come where we can rejoice and be glad in Him. And even sort of just wrestling with the thought of building again this week, maybe a little bit of the backstory. I, on Sunday evening, I think it was, we got the message that we can gather again in groups of 250, which is pretty exciting. For us as church, and I think maybe an election had something to do with that number. Um, but hey, praise the Lord for politicians who want lots of people to gather together. It means church can gather together. And then kind of as much as I was excited we can gather again, I was equally troubled by, but where? But where? And so first thing, Monday morning, Yaku got on the phone and spoke to the people at the school. and. 
not quite possible for us to gather there at the moment. Uh, or we would be able to gather, but our children wouldn't. I think for most of us, that's deal breaker as it should be. So kind of we started looking around at a whole bunch of other places. We've been looking at this place for a while. And their circumstances have recently changed, which meant this side of these two buildings came open. Went and spoke to the guy, said, listen, how about we rent it for you for a period to see if it works for us, if it works for you. Um, because there are potential complications. We can overcome most of them. It's exciting to be able to build. You know, as I was wrestling, not build physically, but to be able to build and, and put together a church venue and kind of wrestle with all of the struggles, like little things like there where they're sitting now were a whole bunch of spikes almost torn off, grinded off nails that Yaku was very creative about removing. That window there behind was blacked out, and fortunately we didn't completely break off the electricity board became very close. That's why it's sort of teetering on the edge there. When we broke out those panels, it's fun to be able to do stuff like this. Think about where are we going to sit here? Do we have enough chairs? We don't quite have enough chairs, so we washed the 100 chairs and we built a whole bunch of the broken chairs back again. And I see it was just enough. So if you guys are all coming back next week with a friend, we're going to have to go and buy some chairs this week. Um, but you know the building week, just wrestling through it a little bit, I realized having a building, having a space has value. When David writes here, he says, I was glad when they said, let us go. There is a specific place in his mind that he was thinking about that he was glad. Go. And there are a couple of reasons that I think we are glad about and we can be glad about. A couple of reasons that I think God would want us to have a space for today, we get this space next month, sign a contract. In that context, not quite, but, you know, next year it might be a different space. And the point isn't specific space, but it's the principles behind the space. And I want us to share about this, and I'd love want to ask you guys, pray with us as we think about this, pray through this. This isn't something which is just about us sort of corporately and me as a pastor as to worry. And that's kind of part of the point that I want us to Understand today that I believe not this building, but our gathering together is central to all of our growth. That our coming together, God has ordained it for it. And the only way we can come together is if we have a space that in which we can come together and we can make a home. Every family. Home. And we've been renting somewhere else and now we're renting here and there's nothing wrong with renting. But as we come together, we have a space which we can gather. And that's the first thing why I believe the building has value. And a little bit later, we're going to break bread together. And I want to ask you to pray with us and in the week to pray about it. Say, God, we've got this building, building for the next three months at least. How can we make the most of it for your name and your glory? I'll touch on that in a moment. There's something, a contribution, something that you think, hey, can we do that? Can we add that? Maybe tweak that. Bring all of them to the table. And obviously, we're not going to be able to do what everyone thinks we should do. But we'd love to at least hear and have an opportunity to put them all sort of into a melting pot and come up with great ideas. I mean, standing here, I've got about 50 different ideas already about things that we can do just in the little space here. Never mind the other spaces behind as well. But we want your input. Pray with us. Think with us. Dream with us about what God can and wants to do here. And not in the building, 
This is the trick we need to do. We want to build the building, not for the building, but for the people. And so the first thing, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, the author there in the book of Hebrews says to us, let us think of ways to motivate one another act of love and good work. Let us think of ways in which we can motivate one another to do good things. Let us be creative about how are we encouraging one another towards acts of love and acts of good work. Touch on that second bit in a moment. But verse 25, then he says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing. And so the first thing we see here is the building allows us to do what the writer to the Hebrews here tells us. It says, don't neglect gathering together. And we can only gather together if we have space to gather together. But in the verse before that, he says why it's important. He says, we must gather together because that's where we encourage one another. We stir one another up. We motivate one another towards acts of love. And, and so being able, I love the fact that we were able to gather in homes a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Some of you opened your homes and invited people into those spaces as we had not just church at home, but church at someone's home. And we gathered together in slightly bigger groups there. There's something so precious and beautiful about that. And we continue to do that. That's very much our heart behind small groups, the place where we gather together in smaller groups, exactly that, where we can share heart and grow together. But there's something about the multitude, just in another Psalm, the same dive David writes, he says he remembers, he thinks back to those times when he led the multitude in procession to the house. There is something just in our spirits, in our being, about gathering together in bigger groups. We see that in the book of Acts as well. We see that the very first day, 3,000 people got saved. And God was adding to them daily. And they were meeting in the church, sort of in the temple at that stage, which was the big communal building, and from house to house. There was this regular big and small. And the small is so important. Small is so crucial. Now, every now and again, some people would come and visit our small group or whatever. And they say, I want to be in the small group, but I don't want to be in the church. Then I have to scratch my head because that just breaks my heart. Because the small group is the church. The small group is the church, is the community, it's the gathering. And being in that space is just as important, just as much part of the church as being the big gathering. One isn't more important than the other one. It's a little bit like, you know, if I was to fly to Cape Town, a couple of weeks I'm flying down for some meetings. And as I get in the plane and I look to the left and fantastic, everything looks nice. There's a wing, there's an engine on the wing, everything we need. And I look out the right window and there's no wing and there's no engine. I should probably be just a little bit worried. Because which is more important, the left wing or the right wing? Without both wings, airplane cannot. And in the same way, the small and the big, they are both equally important for our continued spiritual growth. They serve completely different functions. And we must embrace the small for the function that it serves in our lives. And we must embrace the big for the function that it serves in our lives. That's what the author to the Hebrews here says. He says, don't neglect. Some people do it, but as he writes to them, 
It's not a good idea. It's not beneficial to growth. Just on a practical level, it allows us to see one another. Just today, it's so cool looking around and seeing some people that I haven't seen months, maybe some of us even years. I mean, little David at the back there, I haven't seen him at all before today. Newborn during lockdown. And it's so great that we get together and we get to touch base just a little bit. And I've just grown just throughout this lockdown period again to appreciate these moments that we share together. I wish that all of us every week could sit down and gather and have a meal together every week. All of us, we all know, sadly, that's not possible. What is so encouraging for me is in this moment, forget about the pastoral side, which I'll touch on in a moment, but just seeing Teresa or Quibus just quickly. No, if it's 30 seconds, I'd rather have a two-minute conversation here over a cup of coffee than phone. I'm just good at telephone for a two-minute conversation over the phone. There's just something about a relationship that just those little bits every week, they add up to something. And also kind of, hey, how you? Not so well this week. Great. Well, let's meet up in the week. It, it gives us a touching point where it's important. I just need, I've got this big decision I need to Make, I need someone to pray with. You know, all of these very quick, short interactions. There's a pastor, me. They give us that clue as where are different people, and we get to invest and then follow up on that. The last year and a half, kind of as pastors, for us to bring our world to touch. I know we've all had challenges. Our workspaces have changed significantly. It's been so hard just to know where people are. You know, normally if someone hasn't come to church for three or four weeks, kind of it pick it up. Well, maybe there's something going on there. Maybe I should give them a call. Maybe in a conversation, like I mentioned now, just over a cup of coffee, a rough week. Okay, wait, I need to make a note. I'm going to follow up on that a little bit. Not having any of that input over the last year and a half or so has been really interesting, really having to trust God kind of in terms of how do we ship. But as we come together, we can motivate one another. We can encourage one another. We can stand up and say, hey, guys, we're doing this thing together. Come and join us. We're going to do this act of love or of good work. All of that sort of is, allows us to. The second reason, one of the reasons, but just a couple I'm mentioning here, the second one why I really believe that having a venue, a building, a space that's accessible to us is important. We read in 1 Kings chapter 8. And this is just a little bit of backstory to this. David, this great king who wrote, I was glad when they said the house. He has in his heart, he wants to build God. He has been living in this big palace and he looks out the palace and the temple of God at this stage isn't really a temple. It's a temple. He says, God, that's not right. I can't stay in this beautiful house, God. Your place of dwelling is Attend. God, can I build you a glorious And he begins to gather as king all of the wealth that he could potentially gather. And then eventually God says to him, David, unfortunately, you have too much blood on your hands. You can't build this, but your son will. And so his son Solomon builds this glorious building covered in gold. It's just a majestic place for the presence. And this is where we pick up the story. They've just finished building, and now they're inducting beginning to use this building. Then the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the first king, the most holy place. 
and placed it beneath the wing of the cherubim. So this temple had a couple of different sections, and the furthest, the hardest, the last place you would get to was the most holy place, called the inner sanctuary or the most holy place. And right there, there are these golden angels, not real angels, but golden created statues of angels with their wings. They're called cherubim, this type of angel. And they take this ark. Now, the ark in the Old Testament was so important. This was that box that signified the presence of the living that Moses put together. He built this box. And this kind of as crazy as this thought is that the God of the universe lives in a box. Can't put God in more of a box than Moses. And so we've got this box which represents God's physical presence. And this box gets put in the most holy place beneath the wings of the cherubim. So the cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark, and it's carrying These poles were so long that the end could be seen from the holy place, just next to the most holy place, which is in front of the most holy place. But they weren't able to be seen from the outside. They are not still there to this day. Britain, they were still there to that day. And nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left the land of Egypt. When the priest came out of the most holy place, a thick cloud filled it. The priest could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now, what we see here is an Old Testament sense, we see the presence because the box was carried in. Sort of in the more literal translation, it says the priests could not stand to minister. They couldn't continue standing because the weight of God's presence in the cloud was so strong that they either had to kneel down or they had to lie down. They couldn't remain standing doing the work of the service that they were doing. And so in the New Testament, this all changed. Just in the last week in Bible school, we actually spent a bit of time working through this with our, some of the students. Because what changed is that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark, that box that was being carried, no longer represents the place. What's changed in the New Testament is that God has come to dwell within. He's poured out His Spirit on all. And so what happens when we come together in a building, wherever that building is, is you and I come together as arcs, carrying the presence into a building. And then in that sense, a building, whether it's this building or your living room or wherever it is, becomes a temple. That becomes a place where God dwells because you and I as carriers of His presence, carrying His presence. We can only do that if we have we see that so beautiful for me. That's this amazing illustration that you and I, we come together. We are the God is not dwelling within the box. God is dwelling in you and me. Wherever we go, God is there. And then he gives us a great promise where two or three of you are gathered. I'm going to be there in a particular way. I'm going to be there in a special way. There's something about the gathering when we come. In First Chronicles chapter 29, this is David still speaking about the temple and he's speaking to the people of Israel because he's commissioning his son. He's saying Solomon is going to build 
this temple, there's this powerful bit in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 from verse 1. It says, and David, the king, said to all of the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, the work being the building of the temple. For the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord. David says that this building is the one building on this that is not being built for humans or for mankind. This building is being built for somebody else. This building has a different owner. This building not only belongs to God, but brings glory to God and is the place where God's glory will be made manifest. So as we gather together, as we come together in a place like this, so important for me to remember, for us to remember that at the end of the day, when we go home, the thing in our heart should not be, did I enjoy this? Was it good for me that, that I love the gathering coming? And in all of our human natures, there is a part of that that's not necessarily the bad question, but it shouldn't be the dominant question. The number one question should be, God, did you enjoy our gathering? God, in our coming together today, God, were you glorified? Were you exalted? This temple that's being built, this coming together, not this building, us coming together. God, were you glorified? Were you exalted? God, in the way that I spoke with other people, or the way in which I reached out, made, served somebody, made coffee. So, Today's message, sort of, I'm coming out of the package, everything very shortly for video, and we'll get back to the longer messages in time, maybe. But today, we're not going to be very long in terms of the message part. What I would love for us to do, because we haven't been able to do it in such a long time, in just a moment, we're going to communion together, then hang around and have coffee, spend a little bit of time together with other believers, perhaps believers we haven't seen in a while, maybe somebody you've never met before. But let's not just run away. Let's even perhaps just reestablish that culture in our midst that as we come to church, we come together, we come to meet with God and for God to speak to us. But we also come together. And I know some of us, like Umanton and Sunny Ida, they've got grandchildren that they have to go and look after. There are times when there are important other things that we have to give attention. Let's remind ourselves that gathering together with other believers. The great thing about Um Anton and Tani Ida, I know they're not going to run away every week this week and outlier. As a rule, our, our priority is we're going to come together and we're going to spend a bit of time gathering with others. Maybe here, maybe then go for lunch from here or go for supper or go ride a bike together or ride a bike together first or go for a run. Make an appointment to gather together during the week. One of the things that I know Andres from Hermanus, he always says, is he's kind of got a rule with his church. He says every Sunday as you come to church, you have to have a conversation with at least two people that you wouldn't normally have a conversation. At least two people that are not in your small group, that are not in your... I think that's a really great custom. You don't have to talk to everybody every week. What if we could just have it? 
every week. One or somebody that I don't know so well. Grow together the body of Christ. It's not for us. As we do that, because it's not for us, I believe God would look down on our gathering. Please. I love it when my family comes together and they share with one another. When they don't just run in and run out. When they come together to be together. Yes, to be together in worship. Yes, to be together in the Word. But also in a small way, be together relation. Obviously, in small groups, those relationships would go a lot further and a lot deeper. Circumstances just lends itself to that. As we go home today, the question in our hearts is not that I enjoy it. To my wife, that you enjoy it. It's not a bad question. It's not the wrong question. But it's not the main question. The main question is that you enjoy are coming. And then the last point for us this morning, it's a place from where we can walk in our calling. It's a place where we can gather and put our heads together around what Hebrews 10 says, that we can think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, which is really important, but also good work. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are God's masterpiece. You know this verse so well. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good plant long ago. As individuals, we all have good things that God has planned for us to do. We must walk in. But collectively, as a community, as a church, God has prepared good things for us. And having a place to gather, a place to meet, a place to prepare, a place to pray at, allows us to step out. It allows us for us to make this place or whichever other place we gather in a place where we can say this is from where we can reach nations and we can reach Just practically, I love that we actually have a venue available now. So, hey, why not try and get some school kids in here on a Friday night or a Thursday night or whatever night school kids are available now? We have the venue available and we can reach that part of the generation. We can plan our mission trip. We can come together and do training and get together and prepare to go, whether it is across the aisle or across the continent. Wherever it is we need to go, whether we're going to just India or whether we're going down Pretoria Street. Reach nation. Make disciples. Disciple making. I love reading about Jesus making disciples. Because Jesus had 12 disciples, the Bible calls them. But Jesus also had 70 disciples, the Bible calls them. He also had 120 disciples. He also had multitudes of disciples. That in discipleship, there are parts of great intimacy, which is so important. But there are also parts of discipleship, which entail teaching, preaching. Larger format gatherings, which are as important component of discipleship as small gatherings. Once again, it's the left wing or the right wing. Sometimes we love the left wing, and so we think we only need the left wing, or we love the right wing, and we think we only need the right wing. I'm not talking politics at all today. Don't misunderstand me. Okay, aeroplane. We want to reach nations. We want to reach generations. Coming together, being able to gather, having a space makes it so much easier to do that. Now, one of the things that the sound guys are joking about yesterday, he's taking, he does 
ever taken so long to set up. But then he said, because he knows he's not doing it again yet. Huh? How cool is that? We don't have to pack chairs up every week. We don't have to rebuild everything. We can actually build further. We can make better. We can improve where in our previous venue, as beautiful as it was, we were very restricted because we're packing away. We're building the same thing again every week. One thing, you get good at building that thing. Not a lot of room for improvement. But in our lives, in our spiritual lives, there's a parallel to that. If we have a place, whichever place that may be, gives us the opportunity to build, to improve, to grow, to go further, to go beyond. To think that as we gather in a place like this, we come together, we gather so that we can again scatter. We gather, as someone said in the week, they said one of the things that just as we were praying about this venue that they were not quite sure about was we must be a light to the city. And maybe being here, we're going to put the light under a basket. And I love the response. I felt the Holy Spirit just drop in my heart at that time. The building must be the people. The idea isn't necessarily, and maybe we'll put marketing and stuff up here because those bikes are pretty cool, but they're probably going to have to go at some stage. Our coming together, the light is not in the physical building and the place where we gather. The light is when we get in the car and we leave from here, carrying the light. Tomorrow morning when I go to work, there I'm the light. Tomorrow morning when I'm at school with my kids, picking my kids up from school, dropping them off, there I'm the light. When I'm meeting with other people outside of this environment. Yes, I trust that there's a lot of light here too, but that's where we carry the light. Yes, there's marketing potential, all of those things. Great street faces, something like 45,000 cars drive past you every day. But the point isn't so much that that's not being the light. The light is tomorrow morning when I go to work and I find a way to love, do good works with somebody who's in need of hope. Somebody who's a little bit downtrodden and I can find a way just to lift them up and lift them a little bit closer to Jesus. Pray with them. Perhaps share the gospel with them. Yet we come here and this is where we stir one another up. We encourage, we motivate one another. We gather together so that we can Michal, he always says it this way. He says, are coming together here in the week, or sorry, in the weekend on the Sunday. This is just the team. But then from here, we go out and we play the game. From out, we go out and the important bit happens. So important for us to come together, to encourage, to stir one another. And because of that and some other practical things, especially excited about a building that Whether it's this building or the building down the road, it's, it's not this brick that makes me excited. It makes me excited for what it represents, for what it means for us as a family, how, it, how we can grow together in our own faith, how we can invite people and we can grow numerically if we can find chairs, but how we can even grow in our faith, how we can grow in Christ, in our knowledge of Christ. God uses building venues. To that end. 
And so for me, with me having said that, I, I want us to take a moment. I'm going to ask the usher to pass the, the elements of the communion around, to have communion together. To, as John shared a little bit earlier, to me and from the worship, to thank for what this represents. Even if it's for the next three months only, and then we decide this is not the space for us, and we move on, pray through it, and we feel that this isn't where God wants us to be, that's okay. But we thank God for what this represents for us now, for the growth. You know, I'm so thankful for some of the places, some of the churches I've been at, even small churches in weird places, because of the encounters with God I had in those places. And that makes those places special to me. It's not the building or the architecture, which might be beautiful or not. What makes it special is I had an encounter with In the next three months, our prayer, my prayer, hopefully all of our prayers, is that we will have encounters with God. That we will grow. That some of our friends, our colleagues, our family members would meet Jesus. That their lives would be turned upside down. That we would grow here. That we would be able to prepare here. We're prepping a missions team. If anyone still wants to join them, they still have space. They're taking a team down to Live Village in a couple of weeks near Durban, going to serve orphans. If you want to join that, great place to be part. And as the ashes are passing around the offering, uh, not the offering. It was Jesus' offering. He gave his body and his blood. As they're passing around the elements of the communion, I just sense as I was preparing that for some of us, God wants to come and restore a little bit of our joy. That maybe one or two of us here, we used to be excited. We used to be glad. Like David writes, their old past tense. We can associate with that. I was when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. But I've lost that a lot. I'm not glad. It's become a chore. It's become a burden. I'm going for a bunch of other reasons, but gladness doesn't really. And our sense is he wants to redeem that. He wants to bring healing there. He wants for you to find coming to church as a source of joy from his hand. And I'm not saying that because God wants you to come and serve more and do more and be more. But he wants you to take joy from being his house. So I want to ask you to be really, really bold. I'm going to pray for us in a collective prayer in a moment. And then I'm going to ask us to turn in groups to one another. Maybe the groups we prayed in earlier. Take a few moments. Have communion together, to eat together, drink together, to allow the Holy Spirit to do something in our spirit together. And if you can associate with that, if you know that you've lost joy from the house of God, that coming to the house of God doesn't inspire joy anymore, just be open and say, listen, guys, would you pray with me for that? And I believe that as we do that, God's going to come and heal that piece of your heart. He's going to make his house a source of gladness. So, Father, we're just so thankful today that we can gather, Lord. 
that we can be here, that we can see other faces, share hearts and lives in this way together, that we can meet in your presence, that we can worship and lift you up, that we can even spend time in allowing the Word of God to minister to our heart. So, Father, I thank you that as we're going to have communion in a moment, you sent your son. That, Jesus, you broke your body that we can. That gathering here together as your body, God, you bring wholeness because your physical body. We thank you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria. Pretoria.